Welcome back to Core Conversations, a Core Logic podcast. I am your host, May Claire Bolton Smith, and I'm the Senior Leader of Research and Content Strategy with Core Logic. In this podcast, we'll have conversations with industry experts about key topics from housing affordability to the impacts of natural disasters on property. April is Financial Literacy Month, and in the spirit of recognizing the importance of this topic, we'd like to talk about how it plays a key role in home ownership. But the first step to building that is, of course, finding a home that you can afford. Here in the United States, that can be a bit of a challenge, and this scarcity of affordability and accessibility predates even the existing boom in home prices. So that's what we want to talk about today. So for our conversation today, I'm thrilled to welcome back Pete Carroll, Executive of Public Policy and Industry Relations. Pete, welcome back to Core Conversations. Thank you, May Claire. I'm very happy to be back. Thanks for having me. Awesome. So, Pete, you're a favorite here on Core Conversations. This is now your third time on the podcast. So let's just quickly remind listeners who you are and maybe one interesting fun fact that we don't know about you. Sure. So um, I am CoreLogic's exe- CoreLogic executive of public policy and industry relations. Um, a new and interesting fact is that I have three daughters who are between high school to college age. Uh, who are also interested in the topic we'll be discussing today, which is about housing um, as potential careers, but they all come at it from different angles. One is interested in the public policy elements of these problems. One is interested in the business of real estate. And another one is uh, interested in many of the science questions that relate to real estate. So I I get a kick out of that. Awesome. I love that. That's uh, influencing your family with what you're passionate about. So previously, when you joined us, we focused on how the COVID pandemic has impacted the housing market. We're seeing a lack of supply in homes for sale, and that coupled with low interest rates and incredibly high demand for what little homes are available. But today we want to zoom out a little and focus on this problem with affordable housing at large. Far beyond the realm of today's pandemic-driven squeeze, why is affordable housing such a huge issue in the U.S.? Now, this is such a nuanced and layered problem, May Claire, um, that many argue has its roots in the financial crisis of 2008, uh, when there was an oversupply of housing coupled with loose underwriting or loan approval guidelines uh, that exacerbated the mortgage crisis and triggered the global financial crisis, as I'm sure you recall. Yeah. Um, so ever since it's been this tapestry of what economists would, would economists would refer to as supply and demand issues. Um, the bottom line up front on the supply side, it's mostly about an undersupply of units in the system or what we're calling a gap of, of housing units in the system. On the demand side, it's about mechanisms to ensure that homeowners and renters can obtain housing that's both accessible, meaning communities that provide economic opportunity to its residents, uh, and attainable, meaning it's uh, the housing is affordable at current income levels. Um, on the supply side, it's just getting very expensive to build traditional so-called stick-built houses. Um, these are houses where homes that are constructed on site using lumber and brick. Uh, the one, you know, as you pass by any construction site, that's what you're looking at. Um, as land becomes increasingly scarce, particularly in mid to large size cities in the U.S., land just becomes more expensive and the cost of labor, equipment, and materials such as lumber continues to increase. So just the cost to build is just going up. Um, Add to that city or county regulatory issues like zoning and land use restrictions, 
Um, these are regulations that set at the local level that set requirements or limits on where housing can be developed and the type of housing and limits on the size or number of units of housing. So like an example, according to Inman, 77% of neighborhoods in Portland, Oregon are zoned as single family detached homes only. And in San Jose, California, it's 94%. So wow. such restrictions make adding new mixes of housing, like if you want to put in duplexes, which would be two, you know, two units in one structure, or a row of townhomes, uh, or a multifamily housing unit for rental, just makes that much more difficult because there isn't the land to build it on, just fundamentally. Right. Wow. And then add to that federal, state and local subsidies for building new housing plays a very important role, um, not just with respect to the availability of new units, but with uh, but with respect to the speed of deploying these subsidies into the market. It's it's one thing to have subsidies. It's another thing if the subsidies cannot reach the projects in a timely manner. That just is you know part of the challenge. Um, so an example would be the low-income housing tax credit. That's a great example of, of what we think of as a supply-side subsidy um, that's proven to help stimulate the development of new housing very successfully. Um, now, throw into this into this mix what, what, we'll, what we'll call um, stakeholder objections. There's other terms for it. We'll call it stakeholder objections, which can vary greatly city by city. And it's often tied to these questions of zoning regulations and the type and mix of housing. That market that the market demand might suggest ought to be uh, the type of housing built to create this kind of equilibrium or balance of, uh, in the in the supply and demand of housing. Sure. Um, too often, land developers can be caught flat-footed by objections. Um, sometimes they're reasonable, sometimes they're unreasonable, but they're objections that come from city officials or neighborhood associations, and they have and and they're with respect to the development plans being proposed. Um, so just this whole notion of stakeholder objection can really shut down a development project in its tracks before it even gets started. Wow. So that kind of summarizes the supply side. On the demand side, we read all the time in the news about how incomes just aren't keeping pace with inflation. And yeah. that's particularly true with house price increases. I mean, just we've seen just this kind of upward march in house prices and rent prices. And, and so that's particularly true in the case of housing. This puts severe strain on the affordability of for sale and rental units. Um, for the most economically disadvantaged in our society, these are people who earn half or less than what their neighbors earn. This is particularly problematic since their incomes can't even afford the cost of operating the least expensive housing in our country. So really a challenge. And also on the demand side is the lack of innovative yet responsibly underwritten methods for financing mortgage loans, particularly for low to moderate income persons. So as we, as I mentioned before, with stick built housing, we've not seen much in the way of real innovation to make affordable lending more accessible to potential homeowners. So same kind of lack of innovation. So, you know, we, we've been doing stick built housing forever, mostly the same way we've been manufacturing mortgage loans mostly the same way for years now. now yeah. Prior to the financial crisis, there was a lot of, you know, innovation was quite a buzzword in, in mortgage finance. Right. Um, that took the form of, of really just kind of throwing underwriting criteria or approval criteria out the window. Um, that was the case with so-called alt-day loans that right. ignored borrower's income assets and debts altogether. Right? Caused like, so many problems. <laughs> Right? So that was the old, if you could fog a mirror, you could get a mortgage, right? That was obviously not responsible. Um, it also took the form of, of uh, product payment structures um, that were really complex and hard to understand. 
um, and charging really high interest rates that and, and just this was just simply unsustainable for too many borrowers. And only recently have we started to see real research and development, real rolling up the sleeves to try to identify new and innovative methods for determining borrower ability and willingness to repay their mortgage loan that's both responsible and inclusive. And this is going to be particularly important for low to moderate income persons who are disproportionately communities of color if we're going to see racial equity and economic mobility in housing. Right. Um, so very important issues there. And then just finally, just likewise, as I mentioned on the supply side, um, same is true on the demand side with federal, state and local subsidies directed to renters and homeowners. Um, an example would be the housing voucher programs that let renters choose the housing they want to live in. Mm -hmm. um, Increase the choice for the economically disadvantaged um, in, in the U.S. while also helping the market function better because they can choose where they want to live and create some competition in that process. Um, for homeowners, down payment assistance programs can help low to moderate income prospective homeowners put skin in the game, so put down some money themselves for their down payment while getting matching assistance to, that, that helps them kind of get to a level of down payment that lets them obtain their mortgage loan. So. The, and these are just merely a few examples of the many challenges and solutions that underpin the affordable housing issue. Really just a multitude of issues on, on every different side. So, Pete, you really do seem to know quite a lot about this. What drew you to this issue? So I, I've worked in housing finance my entire career. Um, but in 2011, it, was, it really was kind of a life-changing experience. I joined the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau which was a new, a new federal regulator born out of the financial crisis of 2008. And it had, it had and has the singular mission of protecting consumers from financial products that they can't understand or can't afford. I'm just, you know, does other things too, but just or to summarize it in a few words. Um, and just that experience really sparked a passion um, in understanding uh, public policies and the myriad ways that public policies can influence our housing system. I mean, it really just, they, they really can have tremendous impacts, and, and I, I developed a real passion from that experience. And joining CoreLogic, I, it's, it's, I've been like a kid in a candy shop here. I mean, CoreLogic's the industry leader in single-family residential property information, as well as mortgage loan information and services. And so my role here at CoreLogic, doing public policy and industry relations, I get access to, to world-class data and analytics uh, from which I can produce insights. And I can collaborate with world-class economists um, uh, like Dr. Frank Notaf and Dr. Selma Hap, who are respectively our chief economist and deputy chief economist. Well, you've definitely got your work cut out for you. Um, and we do have such a great team here at CoreLogic. And can you just talk a little bit about the role that CoreLogic plays in this issue of affordable housing? Absolutely. First um, and foremost, it's by engaging with our clients who span the housing ecosystem. I mean, our clients include real estate brokers and agents, um, uh, home builders, land developers, uh, mortgage lenders, mortgage servicers, um, uh, primary property and casualty insurance companies. I mean, just every entity spanning the housing ecosystem is our client. And we listen to their problems. That's what we do. We we we, yeah. we pay attention to their concerns, and we and and we uh, respond. Um, second is we engage with trade associations, think tanks, and consumer advocacy groups. Um, uh, I'm in Washington D.C., and that's where a lot of these groups are based. And these groups live and breathe these issues every day. So when we persistently engage in this manner with clients and and these third parties, we're able to identify opportunities to bring our property level. 
data, so, so property level data, predictive models, and other tools to bear to inform stakeholders on how to answer many of these thorny supply and demand side questions I referred to earlier and find pathways to bring more units to market uh, quicker um, that homeowners and renters can actually afford. Wow, that's that's so great. So off the top of this episode, I did mention that April is Financial Literacy Month. Um, a lot of people don't know what that means. Can you help define what financial literacy is? I will certainly try. I'll tell you how I think about it at least. Because <laughs> okay. um, it is, it's a, it's a broad term that I think uh, different, you know, many folks um, interpret differently. But the way I look at it is that financial literacy, um, at least with respect to the issue of bringing this kind of supply and demand balance back into housing, um, it's about making sure the prospective renters and homeowners understand their all-in housing expenses. You know, it's not just about the cost of your monthly rent or your monthly mortgage payment. It's also about the cost of your utilities. Um, it's about the cost of your transportation cost to work, uh, particularly if you choose to live far from your job. That's going to be an added expense, right, that, that you really got to think about as a housing expense. So, I mean, of course, COVID-19 might change these dynamics, depends on what happens with remote work and all that kind of stuff. But, um, you know, to the extent that's the case, it's something that has to be taken into account. Um, and for homeowners in particular, it's about the cost of repair, right? So I can't tell you how many homeowners forget that when you buy the home, you bought it, you own it. So, you know, you got you to maintain it. And that's a cost that you got to factor in. Yeah. That boiler goes down, you're buying a new boiler, that's it. Um, so, you know, once the all-in housing expenses are understood, it's then about making sure that prospective homeowners and renters understand their housing costs in the context of their overall day-to-day -day budget. And this is, a, and this is really a difficult task for anybody. I mean, anybody, I mean, I, I mean, I can't balance my own checkbook. So, I mean, I, I can, but it's like that <laughs> easy, right? It's a difficult task um, and it's an important one. And, and luckily there are HUD approved housing counselors um, that are always available to assist um, prospective homeowners and renters with this challenge. Some people may not be familiar with HUD. Do you want to just quickly define HUD there? That's the, the Department of Housing and Urban Development. So, so a federal agency and a federal department um, in Washington, D.C., um, designates um, and certifies housing counselors who can provide assistance. That's great. You know, one other thing that comes to mind when you talk about financial literacy and something that we'll we'll get into probably in a, a subsequent podcast and some other things that we're doing is the importance of insurance, because we've talked a lot about natural hazards in a few of our previous podcasts. I think of things like flood. Um, flooding is heavily underinsured because people don't understand their risk. So I think that's another thing that people need to consider is when they're talking about protecting their home is understanding what their risk is from different natural hazards and having the insurance to be able to rebuild if something does happen. So it is quite a broad, yeah, it's quite a broad, um, but important topic. So I think if we, you know, dive into home ownership in particular, can you explain the connection between financial literacy and home ownership and, and really why people need to understand all of this? Absolutely. You know, I, I think when it comes to the intersection between financial literacy and home ownership, um, I really do. I mean, in my, I mean, it is, again, it's about the budgeting that I described earlier and kind of the all in costs, including the natural hazard risk that you pointed out uh, aptly make Claire a very important point. Um, but I think it's also about um, understanding the factors that might be preventing a pr prospective homeowner from qualifying for a mortgage loan, mm -hmm. and then working with expert counselors to repair these issues. Um, so for example, um, Operation Hope is an example of um, a CoreLogic partner 
who has a service that is really it's brilliant in its simplicity where it helps it helps prospective homeowners that are denied mortgages due to say credit score issues figure out what's wrong with their credit report and just get it fixed it's tactical and it's effective and it's it that's the, those are the types of things that we need to help overcome these challenges so this is fascinating, Pete. And I guess just to finish up today, I like to end these episodes by saying if we look into our crystal ball. So if you look into your crystal ball, what would need to change to fix the affordable housing crisis in this country? Well, funny you should say that, Mayclair, because I just worked with Ria Tarakia on a video blog series that will explore precisely these challenges as well as solutions to fix the affordable housing crisis in the United States. Um, we hope it will provide some useful insights in the various ways we can solve this crisis as a country once and for all. That's so great. And we do love our pr- producer, Ria Tarakia, here. So I'm, I look forward to that series coming out. So, Pete, thank you so much again for joining me today on Core Conversations, the Core Logic podcast. This is such an important topic, and it's been so great to have you here once again to share your perspective. Uh, thanks so much for having me here, Mayclair. Anytime. I enjoy it. I love this whole series. I think it's great. And thanks again. Sounds great. So for more information on the property market and the housing economy, please visit corelogic.com insights. And as Pete mentioned, please watch for our upcoming series on the housing gap crisis on our YouTube channel, where Pete will dig into the multitude of solutions that can tackle this problem at hand. Thanks for listening. I hope you've enjoyed our latest episode. Please remember to leave us a review and let us know your thoughts and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts to be notified when new episodes are released. And thanks again to the team for helping bring this podcast to life. Producer Ria Tarakia, editor and sound engineer Romeo Roman, and social media guru Mike Wojcik. Tune in next time for another Core Conversation.